Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be in this weird and weary world, that you are able to recognize all the variants of your communication style and the communication style of others so that you can learn to communicate together better. Now I was hanging out with my cat outside in the, our little backyard and I started to think about what are all the different ways in which people it communicate and I communicate with my my kitty cat and I was thinking that we use telepathy which is pretty mental <laughs> you know and sometimes you know bunch of chirps and whatever and I have to really use my my discernment in the, the exact pitch and sound and the way that she looks at me the way that her tail moves and the way her body language is, what that's telling me. And it's like, it's like a dance of communication. There's like a mental process that I have to go through to interpret every little, uh, whistle and chirp and meow and the way she opens and closes her eyes. If her pupils are dilated or not, what is the lighting in the room or the outside? Like there's a lot that goes on there. (laughs) (laughs) are her little feet pointed towards me like she's getting ready to pounce or walk over to me or has she turned her feet away from me because she's getting ready to leave she doesn't want to you know hang out anymore and I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how I'm generally a very mental oriented person I'm in my mental body maybe more or my brain more um, than other things. And we all have different ways of communicating and we all have multiple, it's like layers upon layers. Some of us communicate with our physical bodies and some of us communicate with our emotions. And I think some people um, spiritually communicate, although I'm not really sure how that works. I think telepathy might be a combination of spiritual communication as well as mental communication. but I was thinking about just various people I know. And I was thinking one of my friends communicates, um, emotionally, like everything is about, you know, her emotions. And I started thinking about of a couple different people I know like this, that they're very, very emotional. 
something happens, they're emotional. Something doesn't happen, they're emotional. Everything is about the emotions. Well, why didn't you like that guy you went out on a date with him? Well, I don't like the way he makes me feel. It's all about the emotions. You know, um, you know, for me, if someone said, Hey, why didn't you like that guy? I would be like, because he didn't think about things. Like when I said, I have a podcast, he didn't say, what is the theme of your podcast? If he didn't know what a podcast was, why didn't he say, what is a podcast? I could just say, it's like a radio show with a permanent record, (laughs) you know, where you, you know, the radio show it's, it's there one day and gone the next, but with a podcast, you've got a live feed, but it's there forever. (laughs) My very first episode from three seasons ago is still there. Thank you, God. It's pretty cool. (laughs) You know, like I I get upset when people don't uh, use their mental discernment to think about what I'm saying. You know, like when someone asks me two or three questions in a row and then I answer those questions and it's like in a text message so they could go back, they could scroll up four lines to see what I just wrote, but then they'll ask me the same question again. You know, like, how do you live in Ecuador? How have you been living in Ecuador? Well, I was, you know, after my husband died, I got death benefits and I was raising my kids and now I don't have death benefits anymore. So I'm looking for work. And then the next question is, so are you married? (laughs) It's like, what did I just say? I had death benefits, meaning my husband was dead and I don't have another husband. Right. But it just, but people don't think, and I get kind of irritated when people don't think things through, especially when I've just told them and they could scroll up and reread it real fast to make, Oh yeah, wait, okay. I get it. You know, and no, no one understands my situation or, you know, it's, it's a very weird and unique situation. Not that many people are in my exact situation with the exact set of rules I had to live by in order to receive the money to raise my kids or whatever. But not just that, but like, just, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a teacher. And you know, and someone said that, and then you don't go, well, what do you teach? You know, I mean, I'm a teacher does not mean you teach grade school children. It might mean you're a college professor. It might mean you teach a auto shop on Saturdays, you know, or you teach the GED to, um, high school dropouts, you know, it could mean any number of things. So, you know, like when people don't follow up with a question that would actually get to know you better, that, that kind of irritates me, you know, because I'm a, because I'm a mental, I'm like, you know, very brain oriented person. I want to know the facts, the figures, the details. (laughs) And I was thinking about how, um, I have friends that are very physical, you know, like they want to go outside and they want to, they want to play soccer and they want to ride their bike and they want to mountain climb and they want to, you know, play tennis and they want to do all the fun, amazing things outside in nature, under the sun, under the stars, under the moon, wind in my hair, feet in the toes in the sand, feet in the ocean. Because that's a way of communicating with nature. And when they communicate with their, um, uh, loved ones, 
especially in a romantic relationship, it's all about we're holding hands. Why are you upset? She wouldn't hold my hand. It really hurt my feelings because she didn't want to hold my hand. She didn't want to touch me. It's like a physical connection, right? And I was thinking about how people are, um, we're all different. And part of the physical thing can be sexual. And some people, you know, like God told me a while back that, because I asked, why are some people so, so sexually oriented? I love sex. Sex is amazing, but it's not the first thing I look for in a man because, you know, that's like pretty general, you know, it's, it's almost as well, I'll date you as long as you have a a head, (laughs) a torso, two legs and two arms. I'm good. You could be missing a finger. It's okay. As long as, you know, there's the general star pattern of a humanoid. We're good. (laughs) You know, it's like too general. It's too broad, you know, but, um, I've been approached by people who are really sweet, but all they could think about is sex. You know, I want a relationship with you. Okay. What does that entail for you? What, you know, I ask people, what, what does that mean to you? (laughs) Well, it means we have a lot of sex. We kiss a lot. We hug a lot. (laughs) And what else? Well, we say, I love you too. (laughs) Like, and well, we have a lot of sex. Okay. And, and, and what else? Well, we do it on the beach. We do it in the house. We do it in the living room. We do it in the bed. We do it in the bathroom, standing up. Okay. But what else? What do you mean? Is there anything else? I mean, I've had this exact conversation with someone. It's insane. It's like, I don't feel that. <laughs> Cause I'm not a, a, I'm not a physical person, especially attached at the first couple chakras there. You could be attached at the, um, your soul can be attached at your body in the first, you know, first or second chakra or like around the heart chakra area or in, in like in the head area. And I think that where you're, uh, where you attach, I mean, you're attached a hundred percent, but like, I think it's like your primary attachment or something. It's hard to, I totally don't get it a hundred percent, but it depends on where you attach first is the kind of person you become and, and how you're oriented. You know, if you attach at the heart, everything has to be about the emotions, the feel, the energy. Like if you, um, you know, and like, and I think that you can also be like a physical person and then, you know, but also attached at the brain, right. And like at the top part of the, and, and you could be, you know, a physical person and attached at the bottom where it's all about sex, 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 but you can be a physical person and you're attached at the heart. So it's like, well, you know, I didn't feel, uh, uh, an emotional connection to that person. So I didn't want to touch them. You know, I felt kind of weird about it. I didn't want to touch them. I don't want them to touch me. I felt weird when they touched me. Right. Or, or like, uh, if you could fear a physical person, you're overly thinking it's like, is it time to touch them? I don't know. And then you analyze it to death. I don't know. I think that there's different layers to this and I'm not a hundred percent sure about all of it. But I know that, um, when God told me that it blew my mind, I'm like, that explains it. That explains why there's so many people. They're very, very sexually oriented and they don't get it. They don't understand that other people are spiritually oriented or, or, or heart oriented or brain oriented. Cause they're just like focused on those lower two chakras. Like that's their level 
of um, consciousness. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what they want to focus on in this life. Maybe in a past life, they died an 80 year old virgin. I don't know. You know, we, like we all have different things we work on in different lifetimes, you know, so there's no judgment there, but it's just strange that there's like different ways we, we communicate. And it started to, um, coalesce in my mind a little bit more on higher levels. I was thinking about this and feeling it and <laughs> analyzing it and going through all of it. And I started thinking that not only do we have where our souls attach at our body, and then we also have the general, like, are, am I more physical than anything else? Am I more mental than anything else? Am I more spiritual than anything else? You know, like a spiritual person might not want a relationship at all. And they might be oriented more towards, I'm seeking God. I'm going to find God and I'm going to stay with God. And if a relationship happens later, all right, cool. But they also must be seeking God you know, divine God, Allah, Yahweh, whatever you want to call it, you know, and if, if they just want to think about sex and they're not going to want to meditate, that's not going to work, you know, and if they don't understand my intellectual, um, necessity that I have to (laughs) beat everything to death mentally, like, yeah, I got to analyze it from all angles and, consider this and consider that and, and, and really put it all together, you know, no talking more sexing, you know, like I, that's not going to work, <laughs> you know, from either, from either side, I feel like we have to be compatible on so many levels. And there's a book I used to own called love is never enough. And I thought this is a really good book. And I read maybe one or two chapters and it made me too sad to read the rest (laughs) because I was like, but love should be all there is and love is all there is. But in order to have a compatibility between friends, you know, in friendships or in relationships, whether they're sexual or powerfully dynamic, you know, such as ride or die married for life type of relationships. Like you need to have at least an understanding of each other, even if you're different, um, if you're different, uh, differently oriented, like if you're, uh, oriented more towards the physical and your person is oriented more towards the spiritual, you have to have some sort of a, a, a bridge that will bring you together in mutual love and understanding because love is not enough. You need the understanding of each other and you have to have the wisdom to understand, um, you know, when you're going to be compatible long-term and when you're not. And I think it's possible, you know, but you just have to know where you're both are coming from. You know, and there's some people that are emotional that they're so emotional, but they protect their emotions So they'll like be physical with somebody before they let them in emotionally. And then there's some people that are, um, are physical where they protect their physical body with their emotions. You know, like they put their emotions out there first and let's get the emotion stuff out of the way. And then they allow someone in to touch their physical body. Like it's weird. Like there's different layers and levels to this. And then I was thinking about, um, 
energy, you know, vibrational energy. And I was thinking about, um, well, okay. That just brought up something else. There's a thing that I know, like my whole life I've known, like if I am interested in somebody romantically, I know for a fact is if it's going to work out yes or no with the first kiss. And it's really insane because, um, if I kiss somebody and I feel warm inside and the energy uh, in my, my Kundalini energy rises up my spine and I feel warm, like a liquid goo phase inside. And I feel like, you know, hot chocolate chip cookie, you know, like it's fresh from the oven and it's all gooey and yummy and warm and comforting. That's the kind of energy I get. Like, yes. I feel like this is home. This is working for me right now. You know, it might be a temporary home, but at least right now this is working. And I've had friends that I was just deeply infatuated with. I thought maybe this sounds weird, but maybe, you know what, maybe what if you, I've known you for years. What if you're the love of my life? And I didn't know. I had my, my good friend, George. He was a firefighter at Ground Zero in New York City. And um, that put him in a really bad way with PTSD. So he moved to Florida and he was working for um, the Speedway there. And he's like, anytime you want, Elena, you come down and you race any kind of car you want. I'm like, well, obviously it's got to be a Mustang, baby. (laughs) There is no other car on earth. And he's like laughing. He's like, all right, fine. So we always had the, like, like these flirtations for years. And then when my marriage broke up, I'm like, you know, what's funny. It's like for years, every time we see each other, we act like we're a couple, even though we don't like, we've never, um, we'd never like even like kissed or anything at all. Like, but we just always felt like so comfortable. Like we've been married for 30 years. That was like the energy between us. And I think maybe in past lives, we might've been, we're so comfortable with each other, but it wasn't like I'm in love with you type of energy. But I thought, you know, that's weird. Like we're so compatible. We're so sweet, you know, together, like the energy between us, like it works. We, we get each other's jokes. We've got the perfect timing and rhythm in the conversation. And we're like the same height as each other. Cause I'm not very big and he's just a couple inches taller than me. You know, it was like, we just come, we're compatible in a lot of weird, different ways. <laughs> and one day I said, you know, now that my marriage is broken up, I want to ask you a question. He's like, what? I'm like, can you kiss me? He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> kiss you. You're like my, you're like one of my best friends. I'm like, I know, but wouldn't that be weird if you're like the one? And I didn't know this whole time you know, let's try it. And he gave me a kiss and I felt like someone poured, um, a pitcher of ice cold water with the ice chunks in it (laughs) on my heart. It was the weirdest energy. And I was like, Whoa, I was like, how like I could breathe as if I just got into an ice cold shower or jumped into, I don't know. Um, the Arctic ocean, (laughs) or even the Antarctic ocean. I'm swimming with the penguins here. (laughs) It was the weirdest energy. And I was like, Whoa, like, it was just like, it felt so insane. Like that was so cold. My heart literally ran cold. 
like that was the weirdest sensation. I had never in my life had that much of an adverse reaction to somebody. And he's like, did it do it for you? And I'm like, a, you're an extremely good kisser, you know, technically, um, could have used a breath mint. He is a smoker, but, (laughs) but, but, but to be honest, no, you're not the one. And he goes, that's what I felt. And then we both started laughing really hard. Like that was so funny. Like that was one of the funniest experiments we've ever done. It was like a comedy movie. It was really hilarious. And, um, so I noticed that like there's different compatibilities on different levels. And that was one of the things that I noticed. Like you could tell if you're very, very, um, in tune with your energy and the energy of the other person, you'll know. And somebody told me that he noticed when he's in the presence of somebody that doesn't, uh, gel well with him energetically, the hairs on the back of his neck start to stand up as if a mountain lion is getting ready to eat him. Like he feels like he's, he's prey. And it's like a weird, like, it's like a, it's like your body's telling you it's time to be afraid of this person. Like this person has no good intentions for you in spite of what they're saying, in spite of how they look. And he told me for him, it's like a smell, like, like their body scent, not like, you know, the cologne or whatever they're wearing, but there's like a, if he catches a whiff of, if they're, uh, just has, have a faint scent of, um, sweat on their skin. He said, there's like a energy that is in that and he smells it. And it's like, um, all of a sudden he's like, Oh no, this business deal is off. Like, and you know, he does this with business dinners. He does this with relationship, um, potential people, you know, like first dates or whatever. When he went out with me, he was like, I don't get that with you at all. And I was like, thanks. But it was like so strange. It was like one of the weirdest conversations I ever had, but it stuck with me all these years. I was like maybe 19 or 20 when I had that conversation and it always stuck with me. Like that was a really weird one. It's like, yeah, I think there's something to it though. Right? Well, I was thinking also, um, about other things. And, and today in the morning, I saw this article, this really insane article about a very ancient fish from like, I don't know, like a million years ago. And scientists just discovered that their, um, bones had, they would store up so many minerals that the bones became like a battery where when the muscles were starting to get depleted, the, the battery of the bones would send electrical impulses along with, um, along with, uh, minerals that were stored in the bones out to the muscles and this fish could keep going and going and going, you know, like the energizer bunny, you know, but it's the energizer fish, I suppose. I thought that was odd. But when I read the article, the, the headline, the way that it read made me think of some other kind of communication. And I realized that when it said the battery, the bones are a battery. I started thinking about, um, the vibration, uh, of electricity and that kind of energy, you know, cause there's like a hum. There's like a hum in my room right now for my lights. I hope you guys don't hear it on the audio here, but, um, 
but there's a hum with electricity. If you've ever been into a, a, a house where, you know, everything's normal, the lights are on, and then the power goes out, the hum is gone. And you kind of, your ears kind of feel like, ah, I can hear again, which is weird because you don't notice it from a day to day on a day to day, but there's a hum, which is a vibration that your body is subtly picking up in your subtle energy bodies. Right. And I was thinking about, I mean, there's, there's things like when we eat food and we have electrolytes that hums in our body and everything is a vibration. Absolutely. Everything is a vibration. So I was thinking about this fish with the battery bones <laughs> and I was thinking about, um, I've been listening to Archangel, um, Ascension Archangel King Louie is the, um, L U I is how you spell Louie is the YouTube channel. And I noticed that when I am going through, uh, any of his uh, things like today I was and like last night I was listening to, um, neck pain relief, back pain relief, those kinds of things. I'll wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, my hips hurt. Okay. Hip pain relief. <laughs> it's all been about the pain relief lately. And then, um, I read something early in the morning. I woke up about around eight in the morning and I, I looked at my Instagram to see if I had any messages from you guys. Cause I felt like I was going to be up for a while because since I wake up, then I take another 10 or 15 minutes, go back to sleep. And there was something that said pain in the body is a sign that you are resisting the communications that you're receiving from the universe. And I was like, Oh, well there's another form of communication. So I immediately did a meditation to accept all the information, all the energy coming my, my way. And my pain was alleviated like 50%, maybe even more, maybe like 70%. I still had pain, but I thought that was a very interesting communication Imperfect divine timing as well. <laughs> you know, if I woke up at 11 o'clock, that would have been three hours ago and I would have had a lot more things to scroll through before I received, you know, reached that. And I probably never would have gotten to it because I don't scroll through Instagram too much. Um, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, but so I was thinking about that kind of communication, but while I was listening to King Louie in the afternoon, there was one for, um, I don't know what, you know, teeth or something. Anyways, listening, he has like, some of them are like 15 minutes long. So I did a bunch in a row. I saw one that said, um, uh, hair removal for your body. <laughs> and I had, I, I didn't listen to it, but I stopped over and put a little comment. Don't listen to this when your cat's in the room <laughs> or don't listen. And also don't listen when you're, you know, your roommates or your spouse is home because maybe they don't want to have a hairless body. <laughs> and I was laughing about it. You know, I was like, Oh, it's kind of funny. And I was like scrolling through, scrolling through. And then I found one that was, um, to repair your DNA, 
to take out any uh, things that isn't in perfect alignment and in harmony with the highest possibility of your DNA. And there's a whole other kind of communication, speaking with your DNA. And I start thinking about how we resonate, how we vibrate. And so I turned it on and my bones started to vibrate again, like I've been describing for weeks now. My bones are vibrating and it feels like there's a lot of space in my bones where it didn't feel like that before. And it's a weird vibration. It's a weird energy. It's different. And I was thinking, when I listen to these, my bones start to vibrate even more. That's a communication. And I just started thinking about all these different ways that we're communicating. And then I read this thing about us being this, the new crystal race, the crystalline race. And even this morning, I also read an Arcturian message from Daniel Scranton in my inbox about uh, communicating with the cosmos and how we're going to be in this crystalline energy soon and how if you want to be a part of their simulation they're sending us portals of light energy so that we can know what it feels like to be fully in the fifth dimension before we're fully in the fifth dimension if we want to be a part of it we just have to ask and if we don't want to we want it to be a surprise. <laughs> then we could just wait. We have to keep like, you know, insisting that, you know, we keep moving towards ascension though. Hello girl. So I was thinking about that. And then, uh, Shri and Kira had, um, apparently series of messages, uh, you know, every day. And this is the sixth day. And I didn't realize it until today. So I'm like, we're halfway through this 12 day Ascension, uh, time in which we are somehow consciously building the crystalline grid of the fifth dimension by which we're going to all live or something. I don't know. I don't totally understand their stuff and their stuff does not align with everyone else's stuff, but that's okay. It might be the way that they're talking, the way, the words that they're choosing. They know what they're talking about and the people that have been following them for years kind of understand it. I barely understand what they're saying, but they're very interesting. So I always liked their energy and they live here outside of Cuenca. So they're interesting, but I'm going to read you guys what their uh, message to me in the email said today. It said, Violet Ray, Violet Flame, Ignite the Gateway. See, it just sounds like all weird and cryptic. (laughs) Ignite the gateway. You mean like with energy or fire or like what? (laughs) But violet flame, I guess. Igniting it. You know, is that that St. Germain dude? I don't know. They don't mention him at all. Anyway, but she says, um, today is a precious gift, which I do agree with. Day six, halfway through the 12 days and day two of the four days central heart. Wow. That's what they say. Wow. (laughs) I have no idea what they're talking about. But they say these 12 days matter as we remember and ignite the crystalline grid of illumination. The violet ray is leading the way and the violet flame is lit. 
it sounds exciting as hell. I, I, I don't totally know what it means, but on some level I do. And on some level you do too. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, we will kind of figure it out together. But then she says, um, uh, you are the mastery presence igniting the grid of illumination as the I am discourses are unlocked and decoded. And then they, and then they say the up level consciousness is here and you are at the cutting edge. The up level consciousness is here and you are at the cutting edge. Welcome home. The violet ray is activating the I am presence amplifying. And then they say April 1st through 12th is the active presence of healing the heart of humanity. Oh, that's finally something I understand. (laughs) I love all the other words are using though. It just seems so exciting. So I just, maybe you understand it more than I do. And I'm, and, and maybe the violet ray is, uh, I know that I came on the emerald ray. And, um, my friend and I were talking about today and he thought, he's like, I think I came on the Sapphire Ray, the Blu-ray. I'm like, all right. And I asked and and Prime Creator said, yeah, he's, he's a Blu-ray, which is a little bit higher up in vibration than the Emerald Ray that I'm on, but we all have different parts to play and they're all important. You know, even what would be maybe the Ruby Ray, the Red Ray, so maybe a slightly lower or different vibration but it's still every bit as important because you cannot have a rainbow without all the different colors. Right. So, um, so I was just thinking about all that too. Like if we are communicating in different colors, that's a whole other octave and level of communication. Like if the colors clash, then maybe perhaps you're not going to get along with that person. They came in on the orange ray and you're a, a purple ray and it doesn't quite gel together. I don't know. It's very strange, right? I was thinking about that um, today, that that might be another level of communication. That if you understand where they're coming from, then you go, oh, all right. All right. It's a whole nother level. So I'm going to, I'm looking for something else that I read today from Daniel Scranton. If I could find it, it might be quite exciting. Uh, what did they say? Oh, dag now, but it was like many, many emails ago. Here we go. So they said something very interesting that uh, you guys might be thrilled about. And you know, I, I, I'm channeling the same Arcturian Council when I channel them that Daniel Scranton does. He's a direct channel. They take over his body and he records it and then he types it up and puts it in an email later. But he also does live um, or he'll record it fully. And and it's wild when they're getting into his body. It's like he makes these weird sounds. You know, it's like insane. I'm not going to do it. It's it's extremely loud and kind of disturbing to hear. But um, he's one of the sweetest people in the world. He's very humble, very sweet. You know, he's married and homeschooling his, his little child and I think his wife stays home too and I think they um, work from home and plus he does his channeling 
He's one of the sweetest people in the world, though. I mean, I follow him on um, YouTube and also on Instagram, and that's just Daniel Scranton. But he's one of the coolest people. But he uh, channeled the Arcturian Council yesterday, and, and they say, uh, we're in the process of opening new portals all around. Your planet will give you a taste of what your ascension experience will be like when you tune into the energies coming through these portals. We know many of you feel ready to complete your ascension now. See, because you guys, we, we're ascending, but we're not ascended. We have not completed the ascension yet. We're working on it. So it says uh, to move on from the fourth dimensional earth. And what they mean by that is the physical part of earth is third dimension. And then the fourth dimension is a part of that as the mental level. All of your thoughts and your ideas, all of your memories are stored kind of like the cloud in the fourth dimension, you know, <laughs> the cloud of memory. And then you can access it, you know, uh, when you want to think about something, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever had a thought. It was absolutely brilliant. You leave the room and you lost the thought. You're like, what the hell? Let me retrace my steps and see if I can't catch that thought again. And you kind of like walk and your head touches the space where it touched before, where you had the idea. And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, that's what it is. It's like literally you're leaving memories and thoughts in like an energetic cloud that you can't see. But you somehow sense it's there. Anyway, um, so they go on to say, uh, let's see here where we are. So um, we can't appreciate that desire. Of course we want to know what it's like to ascend, right? So they say, we invite you to appreciate what a monumental leap forward this will be for humankind. The amount of energy that it's going to take to complete your shift in consciousness is enormous. We like, we and other collectives like us are working on discovering how to make this transition as easy and joyous as we possibly can for all of you. And when we say all of you, we mean all of humanity. And sometimes we're speaking directly to those of you that are in the awakened collective, but this transmission is about all of humankind because we know that your ascension will not be possible without all of you playing your part. And so these Ascension Simulation portals will give us all a better idea of what it will take to support all of humanity in that time of the greatest leap forward in consciousness that can be made in this universe. The reason why you are experiencing so much turmoil and so much chaos there in your world at this time is because of the shift. You're constantly readying yourselves for its completion and all of us in the higher realms are always looking for ways to make the transition easier on every single human being, plant, animal, and even the planet herself. You're shifting together and you do need as much support as you can possibly get to make a giant leap forward. These portals will be open very soon. And you'll have to, and all you have to do in order to receive the energies is to be open yourselves. Tell the universe you are ready to experience the simulation and then relax and put yourselves in an open and receptive state. Those of us in the higher realms will take care of the rest. 
Those of you who are receiving this transmission will be doing your part in helping to further humanity's ascension, which we know something you are all very interested in, in experiencing. This simulation that you will have access to very soon is for now the next best thing. And that was it. I thought that was really weird. (laughs) And yet that's another form of communication. Not only talking to beings in a different dimension, they're in the ninth dimension, but also um, communicating with energy uh, from higher realms and understanding you're in a simulation and then there's the communication with God and that God within and, and then you're kind of putting it all together your universal multiversal <laughs> multidimensional self there's something else that they said maybe it's the other day I read something that was making me think about a communication. But I know that this energy, when I'm listening to this music, my bones vibrate so high, so incredibly high, that I feel like I'm almost lifting up off off the bed when I'm asleep. And I'll wake up and I can't move because my my bones are vibrating so much, and it's happening right now. And it feels like um, sometimes my cat, she's so cute, all curled up in my lap. I'm sitting cross-legged on my bed right now. And she is uh, all curled up in my lap. She's been a sweet little baby all day. She's been needing mommy to hold her like a baby for hours today. So I'm doing the show so late. Because, you know, Miss Pris comes first. (laughs) Um, I I did... um, ask God about it and I feel like um, there's something more magical to her than I ever noticed before and so I asked and it turns out that she was I didn't know that they had angels and archangels on other planets in other realms but apparently they do and she was an archangel uh, incarnate so she had fallen to her planet the way that I fell to this planet And many of you also fell with me in the great fall when we became archangels incarnate as humans. And she became incarnate as a Laren from being an ascended or like an an archangel. And so she descended to her planet and then the Laren planet, you know, Vega star system blew up and they've scattered across the worlds. And, um, I've been calling her my angel for a couple months like I'll I'll just hold her and go what's going on with you my angel and I realized just this morning oh my god I've been calling her that or no it was last night and I thought oh she must actually be an archangel it just dawned on me I'm like I'm going to ask it's a weird question turns out that yeah she is I didn't know that an archangel I mean that's crazy an archangel can be a Lyran for so many lifetimes but then they're hiding out in little cat bodies. They're, they're humanoids that look like cats from that star system. And they're scattered throughout the universe right now. And so she was like way up there and now she's a cat. But I, I knew there's something elevated about her because of how intelligent she is. And how we, um, she wants me to rescue her a lot. 
And that's another form of, of, um, communication. Like she's asked me several times to rescue her. And I think for her, it was an element of trust. How can I communicate to you that I trust you when I'm in a cat body? Well, you have to catch me when I fall. <laughs> Literally. She's like gotten herself up very high on um, the wall outside in the backyard on top of my door <laughs> in the bathroom and not having a way to jump. Nothing to jump onto. <laughs> Climb up the side of the door and then oopsies. And so she calls to me and I have to stand on a stool and and, and I think that was another communication of how do we trust each other? And I started thinking about the love language that we have with each other. That's another level of communication with each other. The love level, um, or the love language. You know, if your love language is food, cooking for your beloved, because that shows how much you love them. And they could give a crap less about eating. It's like lost on them. It's like falling on deaf ears. You know, it's like showing the most beautiful masterwork piece of art to someone who's completely blind. (laughs) And they can't appreciate it. And it's like, there's like a lost um, translation there. Something is lost in the translation when your love language is something... And their love language is something else. Like if your love language is um, communicating through touch, because maybe you're a physical person, or maybe that's just the way that you're, you know, maybe if you're a mental person, you know, and you're in your mind a lot, but then you remember to come back down and be with that person, and you're showing them how much you love them by caressing their cheek with the back of your hand gently or um, brushing their hair out of their eyes or wrapping your arms around their waist especially from behind when they're doing dishes or something it's very sweet and loving kind of gesture you know or when they walk by you your hand kind of glides gently along their arm that would be part of a physical love language I'm showing you how much I love you. You know, like when I hold hands with you and I run my my thumb on the back of your hand very gently in a tender way, I'm showing you my affection for you and, and it's with a compassionate tenderness and a genuine sense of feel where I'm putting my energy into my fingertips and I'm sending my love physically to you through my fingertips that would be a physical love language. And if the other person's love language is food, all they could think about is where we're going to go eat, you know, and that's lost on them. Right. And I was thinking everybody has a different form of love language. Some people have to have witty banter because they're both mental. Right. And like people have the same love language and they're like witty banter all the way. Boom, 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 boom. You know, like Lorelai Gilmore, Luke Danes and the Gilmore girls. I think that might, you know, they're both, you know, like they're not, um, she might be quite a bit smarter than him or has, she has more references than he has, but that witty banter thing that they do kind of gets them both kind of hot for each other. 
which is kind of funny, you know, like that's their love language, maybe. (laughs) Even though they have different modes of communicating, um, they have different styles of communicating. That's their love language. That's like at least on one level where they match. So I was thinking about all the different ways in which we match or don't match with others based on all kinds of stuff. Like some people think that, um, like their love language might be money, like financial stuff. Like if you spend a lot of money on someone, you know, and especially if you work really hard for your money and then you spend a lot of money, that's like a big gesture. Um, again, if we want to go with the Gilmore girls, like the, the, um, mom and dad, you know, the grandparents want to pay for, you know, the granddaughter's, uh, Yale education. That's their love language. We do this because we're your grandparents and we love you. Money speaks for them. That's their love language, you know? And I was thinking like my, I was, I was told a story that <laughs> I'm not a materialistic person and I'm not, you know, I, to some extent, you know, sure. I could appreciate material items. Do I want to live in a shack when I could live in a mansion? Well, hell no. I want to pick the mansion. Obviously probably has a swimming pool. That's what I want. I want to float. (laughs) I love that. It's pretty cool. But I was thinking about, um, this story has been infuriating me for days. Um, this man, And and, and he's not poor, okay? He's like a millionaire. And he's been with this woman for seven years. And they were unmarried for seven years. And they decided that they wanted to get married and have a child, but they couldn't get pregnant, so they did in vitro, which is okay. All right. That's their decision, whatever. And so they paid for all that, several rounds of in vitro, and finally got pregnant. And went on a cruise, several thousands of dollars cruise. And then when he gets back, he proposes to her with one-tenth of a diamond, one-tenth of a carat, which is um, if you sharpen a pencil to the sharpest point a pencil can be sharpened at, the, the very tip of that would probably be bigger than this damn ring, than this diamond. And then the gold is really teeny tiny. And I'm like, that, like, this is the love of your life. Seven years together, you're having a baby and you're proposing with the tiniest freaking ring and you're a millionaire. Like it kind of really infuriate me. Now it's none of my business. It's their relationship or whatever. But I heard this story because my friend was telling me the story and it's infuriating him. Like also it's infuriating. This is the gesture. The one thing you're going to hold for the rest of your life as a symbol of our love, the symbol of my love for you. You know, they always say spend two months salary on the ring, right? Like that's a good rule of thumb. Two to three months, if you can afford three months, stretch it out, right? Because it's, it doesn't have to be a big honking diamond, but it's got to be beautiful and unique as beautiful and unique as your love. Right. And I know this is a very heteronormative thing and you know, the way I'm describing it, but I mean, this could be the same for anyone, you know, in, of any gender of any, anything, you know, um, 
you know, the love of your life. Like it just like to propose with like such a teeny, teeny, itty bitty, itty bitty little thing. I'm like, skip the, the cruise, you know, take a road trip for a hundred dollars and then spend $1,900 on the ring. Like it really infuriated me this story. And I just thought, God, that's, and then, and then my friend was saying that he was there when, right after she got the ring and she was kind of like trying to tolerate it. Like she was like, <sighs> she's already pregnant with this guy. She's already seven years deep into this relationship. She's already committed. And that was like the gesture, you know? And I'm like, God, like I said, I'm not a materialistic person. I don't expect, you know, a 40 carat ring or something <laughs> from the love of my life. But I mean, if I'm with seven years with somebody and they gave me something like that, I'd be like, you know what? You better save your money. If you can't afford, I mean, like it looked like a ring that was like less than a hundred dollars, you know, maybe even like $20. Like it was really tiny, like Cracker Jack box rings would be more expensive. Like, <laughs> and it just, it infuriated me. I'm like, Oh, I feel so bad for her, like so insulted on her behalf. Not that it's even my business or my, you know, but I feel like, God, that's, I, and, and because I'm a mental, cause my, <laughs> cause I'm a mental person that I, I overthink everything. Like, I feel like that is really a slight, isn't, isn't it? That's such a slight. I mean, this guy's a millionaire. You know, like if he made $2 an hour, like the rest of the people here in Ecuador, then that would be really sweet. And you could go, oh, that's like so endearing. You know, if he only makes $100 a month or $200 a month and, and, and he spent like $50 in a ring, that's a huge hardship. And then that would be like super sweet. But like the fact that this guy's a freaking millionaire, took her on a $2,000 cruise, paid for in vitro three times over 10 grand. 15 grand and then like a $20 ring like what <laughs> or $50 like it, it's just it just does not compute so I don't know and I was thinking about that and I was thinking like maybe why is it insulting me so much you know on behalf of all women everywhere I don't know I'm not a material person like I said like, give me a nice ring hell yeah it's awesome I love it you know just because I love crystals I love jewels I love you know but I don't you know I can't remember the last time I actually wore a piece of jewelry during the pandemic. Not a whole lot. Anyway, I don't know about you guys, but I was just thinking about all the levels of communication and I want to just express some of these thoughts to you guys and see what you resonate with. You could let me know by writing me at uh, mermaidgirl888 on Instagram. You know, if it resonated with you or if you're like, oh, now I know why. Like, <clears throat> I love my wife, but she infuriates me. I love my husband, but he infuriates me because we just don't have the same love language. But once you understand that maybe you're not coming at each other, you know, into the relationship, like on the same level or in the same possible, you know, in the same way, you're not approaching life in the same direction or, you know, like, you know, you have to understand the other person completely. And unless you understand that there's multiple ways every day in which we're communicating constantly, even energetically. I don't know. 
it's just it is what it is I wanted to bring that all these things up all right let's quickly get to spaceweather.com sunspot AR2813s decaying there's no uh, strong uh, threat for solar flares at all there is a solar wind coming supposedly they've been promising us for a week (laughs) are we there yet is it here yet uh current solar wind uh speed is 351 kilometers per second did pick up earlier today i looked and it was like 319 so maybe it's on its way you know we we could see um it just seems like it's kind of taken its sweet time uh, <laughs> neutron counts today are very high. It's gone down though by 0.3% in the past 48 hours. Um, so we are getting bombarded, but with cosmic radiation right now. So it basically says on the seventh, which was today, we would begin solar wind. Um, I do kind of feel it, but I, I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> My bones have been rattling inside me, literally like vibrating at a very high rate for about three or four days. So I can't tell if it's a solar wind or not anymore. Uh, according to NASA's all sky cameras and the all sky fireball network, uh, the network reported, uh, 14 fireballs that were sporadic over the United States. It is by no means at all. The only thing, uh, happening above our skies in the world They only monitor 14 out of the 50 states and the whole wide world also is, um, you know, receiving these fireballs periodically as well. So, um, which also might be another form of communication from the universe hurling rocks at us, (laughs) but, but also I think they're, they have energy too. Everything has energy. Anyway, uh, speaking of energy, the Schumann resonance news today. Coming out of Italy is power six. That's it. Six Hertz frequency lower than what is normal baseline being 7.83 Hertz frequency. And today it was only six. I don't know what's going on, but I can tell you right now that the HeartMath Institute at heartmath.org says, sorry, this data is temporarily unavailable. Please try again later. So we have no more Schumann resonances to look at today. And uh, that's very weird, right? So something's going on. There is an energy here. The universe is trying to communicate with us. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I have a surprise for you. <laughs> it's not officially the second Tuesday of the month, but because this is our last week together during season three, I'm going to do... Uh, the CIA papers and the Robert Monroe's gateway experience right after this. guys so I tend to read uh, the CIA papers on the second Tuesday of every month I'm doing it this uh, week on the first Tuesday 
of the month, which is the 7th of, well, 6th of April, but I'm reading it late on 7th, so. But we're not going to be here next week, and I did not want to put it off another two months, so here we go. (laughs) We are going to pick up where we left off last month at the Gateway Method, and this is a CIA paper that was written by a general in the army who was trying to understand exactly what this is and what how how it works. This is Robert Monroe's gateway experience. My my ex-husband had this. And he was like, "Oh, it was expensive. I paid almost $300 for this." And he pulls out this massive <laughs> massive envelope. <laughs> with this I don't know what you call it like a crate I don't know a carton or of um CDs it's like you open it up it's it's one of those plastic folder things but they're it's like an injection molded type of plastic and opens it up and it's covered in like piles of CDs, DVDs, whatever. I think they were CDs. And you have to start with the first one. And you go through the whole experience, which is massive. You know, it could take you months, if not a year, to get through it. And my husband's like, you got to do this. It's like really incredible experience. Really helped me a lot in my spiritual journey. And I'm like, all right, great. So he would get out a pillow and a blanket, put on the floor, get out another blanket, put it over me, turn off the light and put the special like hundred or $200 headphones he bought for it (laughs) to put me through the gateway experience, which really and truly just, um, excited me to no end for the first five or 10 minutes. And then it put me right to sleep. And he'd be like, no, no, you can't fall asleep. You got to keep trying. You got to keep trying. (laughs) And I kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying. I mean, for months and every single time I fell asleep. Like, I don't know. I love it, but I don't know that it's for me. Like, maybe I should sit up. And he's like, no, you're supposed to lay down. And I'm like, then I'm going to fall asleep. (laughs) This is so freaking relaxing. And it's supposed to be like relaxing so that you can, if you relax your physical body, you can relax your mind and you relax your mind, then you can be, uh, hold on a minute. Cat's walking on the computer. (laughs) You relax your mind and you know, then you can go through the gateway experience, which is pretty much like, um, I guess astral projection somehow, you know, and and he puts you through your paces and you explore the universe. You explore yourself. You, I don't even know what, because I, I, because I kept falling asleep. I don't really know what is in store. (laughs) So, um, after a while we just said, forget it. I just, I keep, I can't do it. I just, you know, I couldn't handle it. So, all right. 
Okay, got it. Um, fine. Okay. <laughs> well, the cat walked across the computer and shut off Alexa, so... There you have it. Take that, AI, I guess. <laughs> Poor little baby girl. She just wants to cuddle up in a round little ball. I'm going to put a little blanket on her, which is really just a tiny little pillowcase. She loves this. Keeps the light out of her little eyes and keeps her warm. (laughs) All right, here we go. There you go, baby girl. Now you're all cozy. All right, so where we left off was uh, section 28, and we're on page 21. And it only goes through page 29, but I don't think we'll be able to get through it all, all um, eight pages today. And that means we're going to have to come back in season four to finish this. It's funny as we started this in season two. So anyway, here we go. So number 28 or item 28, gateway method. Having put the gateway experience in context by postulating a structural outline of how and why it seems to work, and having shown what it is designed to achieve, the time has come to examine the specific techniques which comprise the gateway training process. These techniques are designed to enable the user of the gateway tapes to manipulate the high energy states which can be achieved if the user continues to work with the tapes over a period of time. The amount of time required to reach advanced energy states and to fully exploit the techniques varies with the individual. Like me, I, for example, can never get past the first one because kept falling asleep. <laughs> so he, he goes on, the sensitivity of his nervous system, his general state of mind, and the extent to which he may have previously developed, uh, it may have pre- previous developed facility in related techniques, such as transcendental meditation, are all pertinent factors affecting the speed at which he may expect to progress. The gateway process begins by teaching the individual participant to isolate extraneous concerns in a visualization device called an energy conversion box. Next, the participant is introduced to a method of encouraging his mind and body to strive to achieve a state of resonance through utterance of a single tone, a monotonous protracted humming sound that sets up a feeling of vibration, particularly in the head. He engages in this resonant tuning as it is called by humming along with the course of such sounds that are contained on the gateway tape. Following this, the participant is exposed to the gateway affirmation. 
and is encouraged to repeat it to himself as he hears it repeated on the tape. The affirmation is a statement to the effect that the individual realizes that he is more than merely a physical body and that he deeply desires to expand his consciousness. 29. Hemisync introduced. After that, he is exposed for the first time to the hemisync sound frequencies and is encouraged to focus on and develop a perception of and appreciation for those feelings which accompany this the synchronization of brain waves that results. Next comes a technique of progressive and systematic physical relaxation while the hemisync frequencies are expanded to include additional forms of pink and white noise designed to put the physical body at the virtual threshold of sleep as well as to calm the left hemisphere of the mind while raising the right hemisphere to a state of heightened attentiveness. Once all of this is achieved, the participant is invited to envisage creation of an energy balloon comprised of an energy flow beginning at the center of the top of the head and extending down in all directions to the feet. The energy involved in this flow then proceeds up through the body and back out into the balloon pattern again. The energy balloon, which sets up a pattern very reminiscent of the cosmic egg discussed earlier, not only enhances bodily energy flow and encourages early achievement of a suitable amount Sorry, I lost my place for a moment. Suitable amount. Um, okay, not only enhances bodily energy flow and encourages early achievement of a suitable resonance state, but it is also designed to provide protection against conscious entities possessing lower energy levels which the participant might encounter in the event that he achieves an out-of-body state. It serves as a precautionary purpose in the unlikely event that the participant's first out-of-body experience involves direct projection outside the terrestrial sphere. Thirty, Advanced Techniques Having reached focus 10, the participant is now ready to endeavor to achieve a state of sufficiently expanded awareness to begin actually interacting with dimensions beyond those associated with this experience of physical reality. This state is called focus 12 and involves conscious efforts on his part while additional forms of pink and white noise 
enter the sound stream being directed into his ears from the gateway tape. Once the participant has achieved this state of greatly expanded awareness, he is ready to begin employing a series of specific techniques or tools as the Monroe Institute characterizes them, which enable him to manipulate manipulate his newly found expanded awareness to obtain practical, useful feedback of value for promoting self-discovery and personal growth. The specific techniques involved are described individually below. A. Problem Solving This technique involves identifying fundamental problems which the individual wishes to see solved. Filling his expanded awareness with his perception of these problems and then projecting them out into the universe. In this way, the individual enlists the assistance of what Monroe Institute calls his higher self. In other words, his expanded consciousness to interact with the universal hologram to obtain the information required to solve the problem. This approach may be used to solve personal difficulties, technical problems in the realm of physics, mathematics, etc., practical administrative problems, and so on. Responses to the problem-solving technique may be received almost immediately, but often they come based on developing intuition over the next two to three days. Frequently, the response comes in the form of a sudden, holistic perception in which the individual suddenly finds that he simply knows the answer in all of its ramifications and completely in context, sometimes without even being able to put his newly found perception into words, at least initially. In some cases, the response may even arrive in the form of visual symbols which the individual will see with his mind while he is in the focus 12 state and which he will have to interpret after he returns to normal consciousness. B. Patterning This technique involves use of the consciousness to achieve desired objectives in the physical, emotional, or intellectual sphere. It involves concentration on the desired objective into the whole expanded consciousness and its projection into the universe with the intention that the desired objective is already a matter of established achievement, which is destined to be realized within the time frame specified. This particular methodology is based on the belief that the thought patterns generated by our consciousness in a state of expanded awareness create holograms which represent the situation we desire to bring about and in so doing 
establish the basis for actual realization of that goal. Once the thought generated hologram of the sought after objective is established in the universe, it becomes an aspect of reality, which interacts with the universal hologram to bring about the desired objective, which might not under other circumstances ever occur. In other words, the technique of patterning recognizes the fact that since consciousness is the source of all reality, our thoughts have the power to influence the development of reality in time space as it applies to us. If those thoughts can be projected with adequate intensity, however, the more complicated the objective sought and the more radically it departs from our current reality, the more time the universal hologram will need to reorient our reality sphere to accommodate our desires. Monroe trainers caution against attempting to force the pace of this process because the individual could succeed in dislocating his existing reality with drastic consequences. Um, whoa, <laughs> that's, uh, quite odd. Color breathing. This is C color breathing. The next technique is called color breathing and is designed to use the expanded awareness and highly focused attentiveness associated with the focus 12 state to imagine various colors in a particularly intense and vivid manner. So as to use them to resonate with and in turn to activate the body's own energies. Fundamentally, in terms of practical application, it is a healing technique which is designed to restore the body and to enhance its physical capabilities by balancing, revitalizing, and returning bodily energy flows. It is predicted on the principle that the body's electromagnetic field is capable of altering its resonance pattern so as to entrain energy from the Earth's electrostatic field for its own use. The various colors envisaged in the imagination as part of the technique Cue the mind as to which frequencies and what specific amplitudes are desired in connection with this entrainment and the subsequent alterations in bodily energy flow patterns. That color has the capacity to affect the human mind is well known and the effectuality of color in certain kinds of healing is a demonstrable fact. For example, application of an intense blue light to an area of physical tumescence 
leads to relatively rapid and easily observable reduction in the swelling, while red and, to a lesser extent, yellow have quite the opposite effect. However, in the hemi-sync application of the technique, external light sources are not involved, but rather the mind is the sole agent of the healing and revitalization. D. Energy Bar Tool Magic wands and enchanted scepters have been part of the folklore and occult practices of many cultures. The scepters, staffs, and maces carried by monarchs and high priests alike occur with such frequency in the history of bygone eras as to suggest that at the very least these items are aspects of some type of archetypical symbol which the human mind seems to appreciate perhaps quite subliminally subliminally in any case the energy bar tool technique involves envisaging a small intensely pulsating dot of light which the participant charges in his imagination with enormous energy until it is virtually pulsating the the participant then extrudes the dot into the shape of a sparkling vibrating cylinder of energy which he then uses to channel force from the universe to selected parts of his body for purposes of healing and transformation e remote viewing in addition the energy bar tool is used as a portal for initiating a follow-on technique called remote viewing in this context uh, the participant turns his bar of energy into a whirling vortex through which he sends his imagination in search of new and illuminating insights the apparent purpose of the symbolism involved in the vortex seems to be the cue the subconscious and I'm sorry seems to be to cue the subconscious and convey it convey to it I'm sorry to it instructions as to what the participant wishes to do but in terms of nonverbal symbols which the right hemisphere of the mind is capable of understanding F living body map this technique provides amplification for application of the energy bar tool as a means of healing specific areas or symptoms of the human body the configuration of the participants body is imagined and then the various major systems such as nervous 
and circulatory systems are envisaged in appropriate colors within the confines of the outline being held in the imagination. The energy bar tool is then applied to energizing, balancing, and healing in whatever manner the participant desires. In the process, the participant visualizes various streams of colored energy flowing out of the tool into the organ system or area upon which the revitalization or revitalizing or healing application is being made. Since colors are the result of differing wavelengths of light, Okay, which is to say energy at various frequencies. This technique operates on the assumption that as the human body is composed of energy, it can be vitalized and healed through the additive application of additional energy provided that the energy is applied in the appropriate form. Trying to get to the next page here. All right, well, I thought I would go ahead and stop at the end of that section because several pages were just blank, they weren't loading. And I had to shut it down and upload it like two more times. (laughs) I started to think it was a CIA conspiracy theory. But finally, I got the next section loaded. And I skipped ahead in page 29. We're now on page 24. Page 29 does not exist. It's just like an appendix. So maybe we'll get through it. Maybe we won't. That'd be cool if we could. So let's see as far how far we get through it, okay? Or how far we get anyway. <laughs> so the next section is G. Focus 15. Travel into the past. All of the preceding techniques are conducted at the level of expanded awareness known as focus 12. However, the technique of time travel into the past involves further expansion of consciousness through the inclusion of additional levels of sound on the hemisync tapes. Some of the sound is probably merely an intensification of the basic hemisync frequencies being designed to further modify brainwave frequency and amplitude. Other aspects of the added sound patterns appear to be designed to provide subtle, almost subliminal suggestions to the mind as to what is desired by a way of further expanded consciousness so as to support the verbal suggestions and instructions also contained on the tape. 
Even the instructions are highly symbolic with time being visualized as a huge wheel in the universe with various spokes, each of which gives access to a different part of the participants past focus 15 is a very advanced state and it is extremely difficult to achieve especially for Elena who kept falling asleep with focus one (laughs) it really is it's I mean it's something if you could get there probably less than 5% of all participants in any given gateway experience actually fully achieve the focus 15 state during the course of the approximately seven days of training. Nonetheless, Monroe Institute trainers affirm that with enough practice, eventually focus 15 can be achieved. They also state that not only the individual's past history is available for examination by one who has achieved focus 15, but other aspects of the past with which the individual himself has had no connection may also be accessed. That's actually quite interesting. H focus 21, the future. The last and most advanced of all focus states associated with the gateway training program involves movement outside of the boundaries of time space as in focus 15, but with attention to discovering the future rather than the past. The individual who has achieved this state has reached a truly advanced level. Except in unusual circumstances, it is probably not obtainable. I mean, attainable. A-T-T-A-I-N-A-B-L-E. Attainable. It's probably not attainable, except by those who have conditioned themselves through long application of meditation, or by those who have practiced long and hard through use of the hemisync tapes for a period of months, if not years 31 the out of body movement this remarkable phenomenon has been saved for discussion in detail until last because of the interest which it occasions and special circumstances involved in its attainment Monroe Institute stresses that the gateway program was not established solely for the purpose of enabling participants to obtain the out-of-body state, nor does the program guarantee that most participants will succeed in doing it during the course of the training at the Institute. Only one tape out of the many, which make up the gateway experience, is devoted to the techniques involved in the out-of-body movement. Basically, these techniques are merely designed to make it easier for the individual to achieve the out-of-body state when his brainwave pattern and personal energy levels have reached a point that he is in apparent harmony with his surrounding electromagnetic environment, 
such that he feels that he has reached the threshold where separation is a possibility. To facilitate achieving the out-of-body state, Bob, Bob Monroe, the founder of the Monroe Institute, is quoted in a recent Magony, Magony's, oh my God, that's dyslexia, man. In a recent magazine, <laughs> oops, in a recent magazine article saying that in order to assist the participant, the particular hemisync tape concerned with that technique employs beta signals of around 2,877.3 CPS or cycles per second. Since 30 to 40 CPS is considered to be the normal range for beta brainwave signals, those associated with a wakeful state, it is apparent that the Monroe Institute is convinced that the same heightened state of brainwave frequency output, which promotes altered states of consciousness, is also an important consideration in assisting in achievement of out-of-body states. The actual techniques employed for separating from the body involve such simple maneuvers as rolling out, lifting out after the fashion of a telephone pole wherein the individual separates in a rigid headfirst manner such that he finds himself standing at attention at the foot of his physical body and sliding out through either end of his body. Um, I have to some I have to say something here. Um, that all sounds really, really weird, but also super fun somehow. Uh, oh gosh, a, another guy named Robert. I think Robert Peralta or Perala um, wrote a book years ago. I can't even remember what it. It's called, but it was his first book. So if you look up his name, you might find it. And there was a story in that book about a group that went to Egypt. And there was a woman there who was always bragging to everybody about how she's able to go out of her body and how she learned this on her own when she was a kid. And she was doing it quite often by leaving out of her body through her solar plexus chakra. And somebody in the group said, you have to not do that anymore. Try to leave out of the top of your head so that you're going to be able to come back. If you leave out of your solar plexus, it's possible your chakra could get blocked or closed down and you'll be stuck outside your body. And if you're stuck outside your body long enough, you're going to die. Now, you guys, I can't tell you whether or not this is good or bad advice. I don't know. All I could tell you is what happened was that this uh, woman who had been bragging about leaving her body all the time uh, apparently did leave her body for one last time during um, the evening of the final banquet of their trip to Egypt. And she died in her hotel room. Now, I don't know if she died from 
leaving out of her solar plexus or if she did something else to elicit that or if it was natural causes, I couldn't say. But one of the people there in the group said she was a psychic medium and spoke with her and she said she got out of her body from the solar plexus and got locked out of her body and did not return and basically died. Now, it is quite possible that that's all true. It's also quite possible that that is a mere suggestion that she believed and that's what made her die because she believed the suggestion that you should not go through any of the chakras except out the top of the head lest you get trapped outside your body and can't get back in in time and your body dies before you can reanimate again. So I don't know, but I do know that our soul overlays our body. Our soul is not inhabited inside our body. Our body is inhabited inside our soul, which is quite, quite large. Even though we're trying to concentrate and focus our energy of our soul on the physical body or inside of it to feel as if we are inside our bodies. So I, I just, I want to just send that out there uh, in case you are not, if you are leaving out of your body, but you're not going out of your crown. I mean, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but quite possibly it's real and right. <laughs> Just consider it, and there you go. Now back to the CIA papers. <laughs> so, um, I like the idea of rolling out. That sounds kind of cool. Anyway, 32, roll of REM sleep. It is interesting to note that Bob Monroe informed the Gateway class that finished on the 7th of May, 1983, that an ex-trainer of his operating in Charlottesville, Virginia, found that he could guarantee out-of-body movements by bringing participants down into an REM state of sleep or rapid eye movement state and then use the hemisync tape technique. This may well be a function of the fact that most, if not all, people reputedly go into an out-of-body state during REM sleep. REM sleep is the deepest possible level of ordinary sleep and involves complete disengagement of the body's motor cortex functions from the neck down and nearly complete suppression of consciousness in the left brain hemisphere. The effect of this is to put the body in a state of complete stillness as far as the skeletal muscle, muscular structure is concerned, thereby further promoting the state of deep rest needed to eliminate this bifurcation echo. In addition, it leaves the right hemisphere of the brain free to respond to the instructions and suggestions contained on the gateway tape. However, use of the hemisync tapes at this point may be less a factor in actually achieving the out-of-body state 
then it is a matter of focusing the brain enough so that a residual memory of having naturally achieved an out-of-body state is carried into the waking state. Indeed, it may even be postulated that some dreams associated with deep levels of sleep are in fact functions of the same kind of altered consciousness involved in interaction with the universe that plays a role in all of the focus 12, 15, and 21 states described above. The difference between those states and the condition of the mind in REM sleep seems to be that the left hemisphere is almost totally disengaged in the latter experience such that memory of what was achieved in the altered states of consciousness cannot usually be retrieved by conscious desire because the left hemisphere has no knowledge of its existence or its location in the right hemisphere. Admittedly, some people can be trained to remember their REM state or REM state dreams through intense conditioning in the waking state, but even that may be more of a function of establishing pathways in the right hemisphere, which the left hemisphere can access following re-entry into the wakeful state, than it is an indication of any specific left hemisphere conscious involvement in the process during REM sleep. In any event, the three apparent conditions required for voluntarily inducing an out-of-body state in most individuals seems to be achievement of a state of profound quiet in the body such that the bifurcation echo fades and resonance at approximately 7 hertz is established synchronization of the two brain hemisphere wave patterns and which is two and three subsequent stimulation of the right hemisphere of the mind to attain a state of heightened alertness which of course interferes with brain hemisphere synchronization but not until a sufficient level of enhanced frequency range has first been established to help achieve the out-of-body state okay part 33 information collection potential the information acquisition potential associated with the out-of-body state seems to attract the most attention from the standpoint of developing practical applications for the great for the gateway technique unfortunately although the out-of-body state can apparently be achieved by many people without excessive expenditure of time or effort the purposes to which it can be put are currently limited by the fact that although individuals in that state may travel anywhere on an instantaneous basis in either the terrestrial or in other spheres information distortion in the former context remains a major concern to date according to one of the trainers at the Monroe Institute 
Numerous experiments have been conducted involving persons moving from one coast to the other in the out-of-body state to read a series of 10 computer-generated numbers in a university laboratory. Although most have acquired enough of the digits to make clear that their consciousness was present, none have ever succeeded in getting all 10 correct. There seems, this seems to be a function of the fact that physical reality in the present is not the only holographic influence which the individual may encounter in an out-of-body state. There are also energy patterns left by people or events occurring at the same physical site being viewed, but from the past rather than the present. Oh, it's weird. He also doesn't mention the future, which might be another possibility, or parallel universes, which is yet another possibility. Remember, 2% worse, 2% better on either side of you. So that's very interesting. All right, he goes on to say, In addition, since thoughts are the product of energy patterns, and energy patterns are reality, it may also be possible that individuals encounter thought forms while in an out-of-body state which mingle with physical reality and are not easily differentiated. Finally, as Melissa Jagger, or Jaeger, I don't know, J-A-G-E-R, we'll say Jagger just for now. But if I'm wrong, my apologies, it's probably Jaeger. But anyway, finally, as Melissa Jaeger, there I go again, saying it wrong, or right, I don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused on her name. Anyway, uh, as she writes, (laughs) there is another potential problem area in the sense that holograms can be viewed pseudoscopically. That is to say inside out or backwards just as well as they can be seen in proper perspective. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Some of the distortions occurring may ultimately prove to be traceable to this cause because in the out-of-body state, an individual may perceive the holographic energy patterns given off by people or things interacting in time-space reality in a somewhat distorted form. You, You know what? I also think that you can interact with the time-space reality in a way that day appears when it's night and night appears when it's day. I just want to throw that out there because I've had dreams of things happening and I'm there at night, but then when I wake up, I realize I was there in their day because that was a different part of the world. So maybe I viewed the future, but like I went over there or I don't know. So I have, um, several times I've witnessed things that ended up in the news or things that felt so real. I could swear it actually happened, but like I was in a car with a man in California in my dream and he had a little girl sleeping in the back seat, his daughter, and they were homeless. And I gave him a list of resources 
to help them uh, eat and get health care, where to go to get free or cheap clothing, how she could get education and um, a homeless shelter, how to look for all that. And I gave him all this information. And in my dream, it was daytime. But when I woke up, it wasn't daytime. It was like five in the morning, still dark outside. And he was like a couple cities away. So I think that it's, it can be distorted even in the way that you're really there. It's really happening. But day is night and night is day and down is up and up is down. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. It, it just seems like so Alice in Wonderland-like sometimes. Anyway, let's go to the next one. 34, belief system considerations. In 1967, Alexandra David Neal and Lama Yongden wrote a book entitled Secret Oral Technique. I'm sorry, not technique. <laughs> Ooh, dirty. <laughs> Secret Oral Teachings in Tibetan Buddhist Sex. <laughs> S-C-C-T-S, not S-E-X. Oh, God, the way I read it was, like, really wrong. Okay, sect. I can't even say this word without it sounding like sex. Anyway, <laughs> Secret Oral Teachings in Tibetan Buddhist Sects, <laughs> from which the following quote is taken. The tangible world is movement, say the masters, not a collection of moving objects, but movement itself. There are no objects in movement. It is the movement which constitutes the objects which appear to us. They are nothing but movement. This movement is a continued, infinitely rapid succession of flashes of energy. In Tibetan, it's called Sal, T-S-A-L, or Shug, S-H-O-U-G. Maybe that's Shug, kind of spelled like Doug. <laughs> all objects perceptible to our senses, all phenomena of whatever kind and whatever aspect they may assume, are constituted by a rapid succession of instantaneous events. The classic description of the universal hologram is to be found in a Hindu sutra, which says, In the heaven of Indra there is said to be a network of pearls so arranged that if you look at one, you see all the others reflected in it. That sounds interesting. Now I wish I had a string of pearls to check it out. <laughs> That could be four hours tomorrow that I could waste. Okay, I'm glad I don't have pearls. Okay, so um, it goes on. I have cited this quotation because it shows that the concept of the universe, which at least some physicists are now coming to accept, is identical in its essential aspects with the one known as the learned, or one known to the learned elite in selected civilizations and cultures of high attainment in the ancient world, the concept of the cosmic egg. 
for example, is well known to scholars familiar with the ancient writings of the Eastern religions. Nor are the theories presented in this paper at variance with the essential tenets of the Judeo-Christian streams of thought. The concept of visible reality, i.e. the created world, is being an emanation of an omnipotent, omnipotent and omniscient divinity who is completely unknowable in his primary state of being. The absolute, capital A, the absolute at rest in infinity is a concept straight out of Hebrew mystical philosophy. Even the Christian concept of the Trinity shines through the description of the absolute as presented in this paper. The description of energy totally at rest in infinity fits the Christian metaphysical concept of the Father while the infinite self-consciousness resident in that energy providing the motive force of will to bring a portion of that energy into motion to create reality corresponds with the sun s o n this is so because in order to attain self-consciousness the consciousness of the absolute must project a hologram of itself and then perceive it damn that's like right on this is exactly right on guys I'll read that again because that's insanely right on. (laughs) This is so because in order to attain self-consciousness, the consciousness of the absolute, meaning God, must project a hologram of itself and then perceive it. I mean, that's like playing ping pong with yourself. That's really crazy. Okay, it goes on. That hologram is a mirror image of the absolute in infinity. Still exists outside of time and space, but is one step removed from the absolute and is the actual agent of all creation, all reality. And the eternal thought or concept of self which results from this self-consciousness serves it just says serves the and then that's really crazy it says 24 and it just then it just says nothing serves the and that was that's so weird and it goes immediately to the next page so hold on a second let me See if I can't see what the next page says for number wise. Because bomb this page is page 24, but the actual page number is 27. So hold on. Okay, so it looks like the CIA literally dropped page 25 in their own document when they dropped the document <laughs> into the realm of public reading. When they declassified it, they kept a page to themselves. What does it serve? I don't know. And what purpose does it serve to keep that out? I don't know. 
let's just um, maybe forget about it. Um, so what they left out was that was that was section 34, and then it skips ahead in the middle to 37. Spooky. So we need 35 and 36. <laughs> Someday we'll find them, maybe. But let's just skip ahead, I guess. And we're going to finish this tonight, so that's kind of exciting. All right, so 37, motivational aspect. It is a step-by-step procedure which involves repetitive practice of the techniques concerned, using each new insight as a means of penetrating farther during the next practiced section. Session, not section. Session, S-E-S-S-I-O-N. But the rate of progress is so much faster with the gateway approach than it is with transcendental meditation or other forms of mental self-discipline. And its horizons seem to be so much wider than a discipline needed to practice. It would seem to be within the means of even the impatient, result-oriented, skeptical pragmatist of our society. Unlike yoga and other forms of Eastern mental discipline, gateway does not require the infinite patience and total personal subservience to and faith in a system of discipline designed to absorb all the individual's energies over most of a lifetime. Rather, it will begin to produce at least minimal results within a relatively short time such that enough feedback is available to motivate and energize the individual to continue working with it. Indeed, the speed with which an individual may expect to progress seems less a function of the number of hours spent practicing than it is a question of the speed with which he or she is able to use the insights gained to release anxieties and stresses within both the mind and the body. These points of energy blockage seem to provide the principal barriers to achieving the enhanced energy states and focus of mind needed for rapid progression. The more compulsive, the more uptight the individual may be at the outset, the more barriers he or she will initially encounter to achieving a deep or immediate experience. But as the insights begin to come and the blockages begin to dissolve, the way ahead becomes increasingly clear and the value of gateway moves from the status of a matter of intellectual assessment to one of personal experience. 38. Conclusion There is a sound rational basis in terms of physical science parameters for considering gateway to be plausible in terms of its essential objectives. Intuitional insights of not only personal but of practical and professional nature would seem to be within bounds of reasonable expectations. However, a phased approach for entering the gateway experience in an accelerated mode would seem to be required if the time needed to reach advanced states 
of altered consciousness is to be brought within more manageable limits from the standpoint of establishing an organization-wide exploitation of gateways potential. The most promising approach suggested in the foregoing study involves the following steps. A. Begin by using the gateway hemisync tapes to achieve enhanced brain focus and to induce hemisphere synchronization. B. Then add strong REM sleep frequencies to induce left brain quiescence and deep physical relaxation. C. Provide hypnotic suggestion designed to enable an individual to induce deep auto-hypnotic state at will. D. Use auto-hypnotic suggestion to attain much enhanced focus of concentration and motivation in rapidly progressing through Focus 12 exercises. E. Repeat steps A and B following use of the auto-hypnotic suggestion that an out-of-body movement will occur and be remembered. (coughs) F. Repeat step E to achieve facility in gaining out-of-body state under conscious control. Alter hypnotic suggestion to stress ability to consciously control out-of-body movement and maintain it even after REM sleep state ends. G. Approach focus 15 and 21 objectives, escape from time, space, and interact within new dimensions from the out-of-body perspective. H. Use multi-focus approach to solve problem of distortion in terrestrial information gathering trips. This approach involves the use of three individuals in the out-of-body state, one viewing the target object here in time space, one viewing it at focus 15 as it slips into the immediate past, and one viewing it at focus 21 as it slips from the immediate future. Debrief all three and compare data gathered from the three points of view. If care is taken to ensure that the three all go out of body together in the same environment, their consciousness energy systems should resonate in sympathetic oscillation. They can tune into the same target on different planes or dimensions with greater effectiveness. I. Encourage pursuit of full self-knowledge by all individuals involved in the foregoing experiments to enhance objectivity in out-of-body observation and thinking and to remove personal energy blockages likely to retard rapid progress. J. Be intellectually prepared to react to possible encounters with intelligent, non-corporeal beings, energy forms, when time-space boundaries are exceeded. Woo. That's crazy.
K. Arrange to have groups of people in Focus 12 state unite their altered consciousness to build holographic patterns around sensitive areas to repulse possible unwanted out-of-body presences. L. Encourage more advanced gateway participants to build holographic patterns of successful attainment and rapid progress for advanced colleagues to assist them in progressing through the gateway system. If these experiments are carried through, it is to be hoped that we will truly find a gateway to gateway and to the realm of practical application for the whole system of techniques which comprise it. And that's it. The um, books that are mentioned, I'm not going to give like the names, I mean the publisher or the year. If you really want it, I could forward this to you. If you send me a DM, Instagram, uh, at mermaidgirl888. In the bibliography, the name of the books, uh, ben, um, Ishtok Bentoff wrote Stalking the Wild Pendulum. Marilyn Ferguson wrote Carl Prebaum's Changing Reality. John Gleedman wrote Einstein Against the Odds, The Great Quantum Debate, Out of Science Digest. Jagger or, J- or Jaeger or Jagger, Melissa, I don't even know her last name, how to say it, but that it is, that is it. J or yeah, J A G E R. I almost said G A J E R. I almost spelled that out in half English, half French. Franglais, I guess they say. (laughs) Melissa Jaeger, or Jaeger, wrote Monograph, The Lamp, Turn, Laser. Robert Monroe wrote Journeys Out of the Body, very famous book. Jill Purse wrote The Mystic Spiral. And Dr. Sonella Lee, MD, wrote Kundalini Psychosis or Transcendence. Pat Stone wrote Altered States of Consciousness for Mother Earth News. And Charles Tart, of course, can't have anything like this without a reference to Charles Tart. <laughs> he wrote Altered States of Consciousness, and that was in 1969. Well, there you have it, guys. That's it. We did it. Woo! We did it. Holy moly. 29 pages. Would have been 30 if they had included the one missing page, which now I just know is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> anyway, there you go. That's that's it. That's, that's all she wrote for today. All right. Well, I love you guys very much. I'm grateful that we're on the spiritual journey together. Thank you for your continued confidence and faith and loyalty in me, myself, the show, and my abilities. Um, I'm really grateful for that and glad we're together on this beautiful spiritual journey for sure. That's it. I'll be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. And until then... I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes 
of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Till next time, guys. Peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.